um, finished at Easter, or just before Easter, we finished the whole series on uh, the church, our, our um, statement of faith, and everything that we believe. That was a, quite a long series. And um, if you need more information about that, we have got leaflets in my bag somewhere. I have a rather scuffed leaflet because it's something I refer to quite a bit. But we have got these leaflets. You can pick them up at the welcome desk on the way through. It tells you all what we believe and how we believe it and the important things that we as a church think about. So we finished that series. We're going to start a new series, and I'm going to introduce that this morning um, just for this term. Um, and I'm going to lay some foundation this morning for what comes down the rest of this, this term. Before I do that, I wonder if you ever considered what's in a name. What's in a name? So uh, when, when our children, our two girls, um, were pregnant and they were having children, um, I was quite excited to find out what they were going to call them. Okay, well, what, what was the name going to be? Where was my name going to be? Was my name going to be a middle name? And the answer is no, it's never been, so I take that as a sign. So what was, what was their name going to be? What was it going to... What, what moniker was this child going to have for the rest of its life? Okay, and of course, as parents, one of the questions we wanted to ask but dared not ask while she was pregnant, while they were pregnant, is what are you going to call the child? You know, what, what are you going to... I wanted it to be as much a surprise to me as it was to everybody else. And so they, they came out with children. They've got, uh, we've got George and Charlotte, and we've got an Ezra. Okay, and um, for me, that's a re- it was a really exciting time finding out about a name. So my name's Paul. Paul means a little stone. Okay, now I know that's true for me and for everybody else because just when like a stone gets into your shoe and it becomes an irritant. Okay. I know that my name has actually prophetically come true for a lot of people. Do you know what your name means? Anybody here know what your name means? Pauline. Same as mine, Pauline, except it's an et at the end. Little stone et. An eyed. Oh, there you go. Christine. Christian, Okay. Anybody else? Leah. Light. Oh, wonderful. Peter is a rock, yeah. Yeah, bigger than a stone, yeah. Even more annoying. Yeah, but, yeah even more annoying, yeah. Said his son. Anybody else? What's in your name? Come on, what's your name mean? Some of you are named after famous people. Zoe. Life. We called our daughter Zoe uh, because when she was born... There was some serious complications with the cord around the neck, and it was it was a four-day um, whatever happens over four days delivery for Lorraine, which was very painful for me. Um, and so Zoe seemed really apt that this little baby had life when it's possible that she might not have. Some of you uh, are named after famous people: George, St. George's Day today, so it's your day. Congratulations. Farmer. So apt. Anybody else? You've got Patrick. 
nobleman. What's in the name? I also have a nickname. I'm going to be very brave here and tell you what my nickname was at school. If anybody calls me this afterwards, I shall go nuts. Okay, but, um, so, sorry? Excellent. Yes, yeah, so you're all going to do it, I know. But I, not only was I called Paul, but at school I was called Piggy. Okay? Not because of my size, not because of what I ate, but because at the time, the two Ronnies were doing a series. And in that series, sorry, I need to tell you something else. I have a friend called Charlie, okay? So Charlie and Paul, we knocked around, we played rugby, football together, etc. And the two Ronnies had a series on called Charlie Farley and Piggy Malone and the Phantom Raspberry Blower of Old London Town. Do you remember that? And the Raspberry Blower would come up and go, and then the person would drop dead, etc. Okay, so Charlie was Charlie Farley, and I, because I'm the sidekick, I became Piggy Malone. Okay, so that got shortened to Piggy. So if you want to really wind me up, you know what to do now. Um, I hated it, absolutely hated it. Nicknames. Anybody else got a nickname that you're going to tell us? I've been brave. Come on. Nicknames? Dave? Diddy Dave. Diddy Dave. I'm called Wally. Wally. My, my, my name is Wally. Oh, Wally, okay. Daisy. All oh, right, okay. Daisy May. What's in the name? There are, in our culture, we often name people because we like the name. It's just a, a nice thing to do. We worked in um, Jubilee Church Teesside for a long time, and we worked with a lot of African nations, Eritrean, Somali, uh, Ethiopian, um, and then Afghanistanis were there as well, and uh, Iranians. And we asked somebody their name, and it wasn't just their name, it was who they were. It was really important. I don't know if you, we went to see The Lion King the other day, and the opening scenes where they have Simba, and they go to the top of the mountain, and they present Simba to the tribe, the, you know, the animals, and they reveal his name. And that whole process of naming is really important in African culture. It's important because when they give that person a name, they are investing into them a prophetic sense of what that person's going to be. Or a hope, aspiration, that if I call you grace, then you will be graceful. Is that true? I'm talking more of Middle Africa, but I guess it's the same in South Africa. If you're, if you're, if you're going to be called charity, then you'll be a charitable person. Often names... Short names mean quite complicated things. But they are either aspirations or it's a historic thing within the family of this is the sort of family we want to be. And so we, in the West, kind of just like names, but in some cultures, names are critical to who you are. And this morning, we're going to be looking at God has a name. This morning's subject is God has a name. And we're going to be looking at the series that we're going to be looking at is when Jesus in John uh, seven times says, I am the I am the bread of life, I am the whatever. We'll come on to those in a minute. 
We're going to look at those seven things, but this morning what I want to do is to give you the context as to why Jesus says, I am the. Okay, So that when you come to listen to the preachers, the most excellent preachers, which will be better than this morning's, when you get to them, you'll be able to understand the context that Jesus is using. Jesus doesn't do anything without purpose. He doesn't say anything without purpose. And I want to recommend a book to you. Um, this is also available on Audible, Dave. Okay? So if you don't read or can't read, you're dyslexic or whatever it happens to be, you, you can uh, get a... This book is outstanding. It's easy to read. It's very chatty in style. You can, you can gallop through the pages, but as you're galloping through the pages, you'll be taking a lot of theology, a lot of understanding about God's name and what that means. So I want to highly recommend that. You can get it on book, or you can get it on, get it on Audible, um, and it's well worth the investment. So we're going to look at what God says about himself. And we're going to start in Exodus. Hopefully... I've got this right in Ukrainian. Okay. This is what it says in Exodus. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, What is his name? It's a fairly reasonable question. Then what shall I tell them? Obviously at this point, Moses hasn't got a clue what God's name is. God says to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you have to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also says to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. So Moses, the context here is Moses is in the desert. He's been away for Israel now for 40 years, or for, sorry, from Egypt for 40 years. He's been sent away, in dis or he escaped in disgrace because he killed somebody. He was trying to do God's work for God. He's been herding sheep for 40 years. He's in the desert with some sheep, and this bush starts to burn without actually being consumed. And God is telling Moses to go back to the Israelites in Egypt and to Pharaoh to set his people free. And Moses is therefore a kind of ambassador. We'd call, perhaps, we'd call him an ambassador. In our circles, in church circles, we'd call him apostolic, being sent, sent ones. And Moses is, being, is going back to Egypt, Pharaoh and the Israelites. And he asked this question, who shall I tell them has sent me? Who am I going? Who, whose name am I going in? Name was everything. If he goes in little Johnny's name, his life expectancy will be very short. As in the cultures we've talked about already, in the world of the Hebrew scriptures, a personal name was often thought to indicate something essential about the bearer's identity, his origin, his birth circumstances, or the divine purpose that bearer was intended to carry out. 
when God gives a name, we need to take note of it because he's describing himself. We need to take note of it very carefully. God has a name. So we already heard about um, Abraham. Abraham started off as Abram, which means exalted father. God changes his name prophetically to Abraham to become the father of many nations. God says, in your future, this is going to happen. Isaac, the God of Isaac, he said, in that scripture we read. Isaac just means laughter. It's called laughter because when the angel tells Sarah that she's going to be pregnant and she's a hundred, she laughs. She laughs at the angel. So ironically, Isaac is called laughter. It's a reminder that we laugh at God, but God still fulfills his promises. Oh, sorry. Jacob. When Jacob was born, he was given the name, name heel grabber. Heel grabber basically means he's a swindler. He will steal things from people. And which he does with Esau. His name, Jacob, he carries out prophetically in his life. But when he meets God, he becomes Israel, which means he who struggles with God. At the time when he meets Israel, uh, God, he, he fights God. And God, in the end, dislocates his hip. And as a result, he's called he who struggles with God. What's in the name? What's in this name? Well, Moses was very familiar with names for God. The one that he would be most familiar with would be El, which is a Canaanite word. It means king of the gods. He knew about El. In the Canaanite, um, where he lived, in the Canaanite region, he would be very familiar with not just one god, but lots of gods. And El was the king of the gods. If you think about your Greek mythology, anybody into Greek mythology? You know, Zeus is the king of the gods. They've got lots of different gods, but Zeus is the king of gods. Je um, Moses was very familiar with other gods. And we look through Genesis, and God's already started to reveal himself in this way by calling himself El. He calls himself El Shaddai, which means I'm like El, but I'm so much more. Bring on your king of your gods. I'm much more than that. Come on, bring it on if you think you're hard enough. Stack all these gods up together, and I'm more than all that to put together. We've, we've got to be careful. The Bible doesn't deny that there are other gods. It just says God's so much bigger. God reveals himself as El Elyon, the God Most High. In other words, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Master of the Universe. He calls himself El Olam, 
God everlasting. These gods come and go. As people change, as cultures change, as, uh, as some nations overtake other nations, gods come and go. But this God is everlasting, never goes away. And he reveals himself to Moses, I am that I am. I am who I am. The Hebrew here is Ea, Asher, Ea. Whatever I am, I will be. We get from it Yahweh, God's name. Yahweh means whatever I am, I will be. God calls himself Ea, Asher, Ea. Man calls himself, calls God Yahweh, which means he will be what he will be. Whatever he is, he will be. This name reflects his eternalness. I am who I am. I, I've always been, forever. I am now. And whatever I am now, I will be forever I am. It's eternalness. It, it, it describes there's no beginning and there's no end to God. There's no birth, there's no death, there's no kind of gaps in his CV. He was, he is, he always will be. It reflects his consistent character. Theologians call that immutability, and we've had preachers on that in the past when we talked about God the Father. His immutability, he never ever changes. One iota. If God was good at the beginning, he's good right now, and he will be good forever and ever. He never changes. If God says he's going to do something, because his promises are always fulfilled, then he promised it, he promises, and he will fulfill his promise. It's consistent. It never changes. It's important we get it. When God reveals himself as I am who I am, whatever I am I will be, he's revealing things about himself which are so, so important. And finally, just for this little point, he's revealing his uniqueness. There's nobody else like him. It's a position statement. I am. I am. Nobody else is like him. No other God that you could pray to would ever deliver what God can deliver. No other religion will give you what God is. I am. So we're going to look at some of the names of God and I want to apply them that he reveals himself through the Bible so we understand what God means when I am whatever I am I will be. I am that I am. So we're going to look at some of the names of Jehovah. There's another way of expressing that Yahweh. Yahweh Jireh means the Lord who provides. Remember, he's consistent and unique and he's eternal and he provides. He provided from day one in creation. He provides now and he will always provide for our future. 
It's consistent. He provides. What, do, what is it you need? The difference between what we need and what we want. They are two different things. I can remember the day that I bought my first Jaguar. Oh, I wanted a Jaguar. I so wanted a Jaguar. I remember Lorenz's face when I brought it home. What I needed was a car. I so wanted, I, I tell a story about myself. I so wanted, I so wanted this Hammond organ C3. Now, you might know what that is. I think probably only just about Graham, maybe one or two of us will know what I'm talking about. It was beautiful. It was massive. <laughs> twin, twin keyboards, pedals, stops. It had a big Leslie speaker that did all the stuff that a Leslie speaker should do. And it was only 500 pounds. Boy, did I want it. What we needed was a holiday. And when I sold it, eventually Lorraine did forgive me. But we got there. But that's what I wanted. <laughs> Listen, what I want, God doesn't say he'll supply all our wants. He says, I'll supply all your needs. It's a different thing. But God does provide. And it might be very surprising how he does provide. It might be you're putting to death your firstborn son. You've got him all laid down. You've got him ready for the altar. You turn your head and there's a, a, a lamb waiting for you. God provides. Second one, Yahweh Rapha. God who heals. He reveals himself as eternally uniquely um, consistent in healing people. It's true. Both in body and mind and spirit. God heals. It's very difficult for us sometimes to, um, to get our heads around that because we pray for people and people still die. Is God being inconsistent? No, he's not. It's just that in his eternal wisdom and understanding, I don't get what his plans and purposes are. What I want is for that person to be healed. What God wants might be completely different. But he always heals. And it's not pie in the sky to say that even if this body on earth decays and rots because of sin and the curse that's on us through the fall, that there will be a day when whatever happens, I will be completely and utterly healed forever. It's not pie in the sky. It's the reality of the Bible that tells us. So does that mean I'm going to stop praying for people to be healed? No, it doesn't. I'm going to keep on praying and praying and praying. I hope you do. Asking God, please heal this person. Please heal this person. Because God's revealed himself as the God who heals. 
And I know God heals, because I've seen it when I've prayed for people. I know it happens. Yahweh Nissi. God is our banner. Banner is a place of a rallying place in the battlefield where the king puts his banner on the hill and says, This is it. Rally around me, guys. It's a commemoration of a battle against the Amalekites in Exodus chapter 17. God is our banner. And when we're under stress and in the battlefield, we need to raise our eyes and see where God has planted his banner. And we rally to God. We don't expect God to rally to me. I expect to go and rally to God. I'm saying it this morning. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it. They are saved. God is our banner. And then Yahweh and Kadesh, the Lord who sanctifies, makes holy, sets apart. Although God is unique in himself, he draws us to, to himself so we can be sanctified and set apart for all that he has for us. Yahweh Shalom. God is our peace. God is our peace. He brings peace and order into our chaotic and dysfunctional and warlike lives. He brings peace. If you need peace right now, God says, that's my name. And I wonder sometimes whether we dare, and I use this reverently, but whether we dare go to God and, says, and say, God, your name is God of peace. When are you going to stand by your name in my life? I wonder if you ever have done that to God. It's scary. God, your name is Elohim, Lord God. Lord God, your name is Sitkenu. Righteousness. God, you said that's your name. This is my situation. God, I'm saying, how long will you hold back your name in my life? It's not irreverent. It's not challenging God in the sense of, I don't believe you. It's saying, God, I know that's what you are. This is what I need in my life. Yahweh Rohi, the Lord is our shepherd. Yahweh Shammah, the Lord is there. He's present with his people. The Lord of hosts. Hosts just meaning lots and lots and lots of people. Angels and men. These are the names that God says. It's not just that El, you know, Lord, the God, Lord, God, king of everything, like with L. In this name is saying, I am the Lord who is there forever. Uniquely, consistently, forever. It's the revelation of who he is. Whenever you come across the name of the Lord, 
in the Old Testament. Take note of it. It's really important. Are you getting the drift? Some of you are kind of looking a little bit lost, perhaps, or bored. I don't know. You're playing your games. I don't know what you're doing. Listen, this is, this is God that we worship. We've been singing about his name this morning. This is who he is. This is how he describes himself. And then we come to Jesus. Hebrews 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The context of Hebrews 13 is about living together in community. And in the middle of that communal passage, it says about Jesus, he's the same yesterday and today and forever. What is the writer of Hebrews telling us? That we should be like Jesus. He's telling us that Jesus is like, well not is like, is God himself. We in the West particularly have managed to kind of have a God of the Old Testament. I was telling that we were doing this with the kids on Monday. We were talking about war and violence. And this is a very obvious one. But in the Old Testament, God seems to be a God of war and violence, punishment. So we have one God in the Old Testament. And then we come to the New Testament and we have Jesus, the peace giver. And many Christians have fallen into the trap of saying, well, there must be two different things. There's no consistency between the two. We must reject the God of war and violence and we accept the God of love and peace because that's quite nice, makes me feel good. We must resist that because the God in the Old Testament reveals himself at birth as Emmanuel, Jesus in the New Testament. There's no inconsistency between the two. They are the same. Part of the Trinity. God the Father reveals himself in the Old Testament. He gives himself a name, as we've been saying. And then God the Son reveals himself in the New Testament. And he says, I am. Same name. That's why the Israelites, the Jews, hated him so much. Because he was saying, I am. I'm, I'm the same it's the God of the Old Testament. And when Jesus ascends into heaven, God the Spirit is sent out on earth. The same essential Spirit. Jesus. These two, these two things are not inconsistent. We must be careful. How do I know that? Well, God, I was saying to the kids on, on, on Monday, God is put into death the things that the Israelites would stumble and fall over for centuries, he is getting rid of it so that they can be a sanctified people before God, not compromising with the gods around them, with the cultures around them. In the, in the New Testament, Jesus is saying, an eye for an eye. If, if, your eye, if your eye offends you, pull it out. Radical theology. Jesus always was... It always was. 
Just as God is eternal, Jesus was eternal. He always is. And he always will be. So when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he was the good shepherd, he is the good shepherd, he will always be the good shepherd. The bread of life. The light of the world. The resurrection and the life. The way, the truth, the life. The gate of the shepherd fold. Sheepfold, sorry. I am the true vine. He's describing himself as he always was, as he always is, and as he always will be. He never changes. This is because Jesus is God himself dwelling among us, Emmanuel. God with us. Tabernacle, he says in John, tabernacling among us. Just as Jesus shows us human traits like hunger and tiredness and disappointment and anger, things that frustrate him with the disciples. What does he say to the disciples? How long have I been with you and you still don't understand? Just as he gets frustrated, he shows us some of God's traits, the same God traits, as God shows himself to be provider. Feeds 5,000 people. He's the healer. How many miracles do you want me to go to to show you in the Gospels about Jesus is God, I am the God who heals. What about, I am the God, I am your banner, I am the banner. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary. I'll give you rest. He's a banner that we can run to. He's a sanctifier. I am the one who sanctifies. Because he says to the woman caught in adultery, you know, I forgive you. Now go and don't do it anymore. He sanctifies people. He cleanses them from their sins. I am the God who brings peace. Jesus says, that he's the peacemaker between us and God. I am the Lord God, said God in the Old Testament. Jesus says, I and the Father were one, in John. What about God is God, the God who's righteous? Well, we're told that his baptism fulfills all righteousness. I am the shepherd. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am the God who is present. We've already said, Emmanuel, God with us. I am the Lord of hosts, says God in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, both men and angels worship Jesus. I'm going to stop there. I don't feel... We're going to have a song, aren't we? Can we do that song in the name again? This week, as you go out into your week, I'm not going to look for a ministry time this morning. I'm just setting up the next few weeks. As you go into your week and you come across the situations that you're in, that are unique to you, remember the name. God has a name. And it's not for the person sitting next to you. Okay? 
You're all welcome. God's got a name for you. No, he's got a name for me. Now, the amazing thing is that in Peter it says that we, we were called into his kingdom. We who had no name have now been given a name. We have changed identity in Christ. That's a whole other preach. I'm not going to get into that right now, so you can relax, it's fine. Okay, listen. As you come across your situations this week, find the name of God and cry out to him and ask him to reveal his name in your situation.